Hey everyone, my name is Adam Barfoot and welcome to episode 9 of the Counseling and Functional Fitness Podcast. In this episode, I talk with Josh West, who is a co-owner of CrossFit FreeFlow. We talk about vulnerability in counseling and functional fitness, turning I can't into I can and I did, acknowledging and embracing weaknesses, eliciting vulnerability, the importance of community, and lessons we've learned through fitness. And as a disclaimer, during this podcast, I am speaking for myself and my own views, and I am not speaking for any counseling organization or any of my employers. And sponsorship is now available for this podcast through Anchor. On the description of the podcast app that you are listening on, it will say support this podcast, followed by a link. And when you click on that link, it will take you to a page where you can put in your information to support this podcast. If you are benefiting from this podcast, I would greatly appreciate the support. And now there is a private Facebook group that is for anyone who supports the podcast. It's a great place where we can have discussions about the integration of mental health and physical fitness and where you can ask questions to me as well as the whole group and we can interact with each other. Now, let's go ahead and jump into episode 9, Vulnerability in Fitness with Josh West. All right, Josh West, welcome to the Counseling and Functional Fitness Podcast, and thanks for coming on. You bet. Thanks for having me. So Josh is one of the owners of CrossFit Free Flow in Franklin, Tennessee, and you're also one of my closest friends, and you've been a great mentor to me as well as a coach and a friend. And interestingly enough, you're actually the first coach I ever had when I started CrossFit. Yeah, I, st- I still remember when you walked in the door. What do you remember about me? Nothing, nothing remarkable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just <laughs> that's what I remember. Is there was nothing remarkable. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, we we'll get into it. But what you, who you proved to be, as we got to know each other. Hmm. Yeah, and so flash forward to now. So that was December 2015, and now february 2021 and you're one of my closest friends so that's a i think that's a really cool story and i'm I'm excited to share that story and also you've really shaped me as a coach so when i started coaching i was coaching at your gym so crossfit free flow and you're someone who's taught me a lot about how to coach and you've also coached me so i've learned from you by watching you coach as well as you giving me feedback about how i coach so You and I, we have a lot of conversations about my work as a mental health therapist. And from what I can tell, you're really interested in mental health. And you're also a fitness professional, so a coach and an owner of a CrossFit gym. And that's why I think that you're a great guest to have on the podcast. And before we get to the questions, one thing that I want to mention that I really like about you, Josh, is your ability to connect quickly and genuinely with people. And a way that I've really seen you do that is your ability to connect with people through laughter as well. So a lot of times when people come into a gym, let alone a CrossFit gym for the first time, they're understandably, yeah, so understandably so just anxious, terrified, whatever, whatever word we want to use, I think that's really what's going on. And so an important part of, I think, people first walking into a gym is experiencing a calm presence. Mm. And I really think that's a 
strength that you have and also just something to maybe take the edge off like laughter and so mm. that's something that I've seen you do really well with the new athletes that walk into your doors at free flow mm. it's good feedback I get told that a lot that I'm mm. I have a calming <laughs> presence yeah and another funny thing is just the I mean it's interesting to point that out because some people say different things like, well, I never see Josh smile, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot too. But you're definitely unique, but you have a lot of really good interests and also that calm presence is another, um, well, and the interest in mental health as well as being a fitness professional. So yeah, that that's why I'm having you on. And yeah, I think this is a, this is a really good guest episode to do. So our first question is, who is Josh West? So what do you want people to know about you? Man, that could be a big question. I'll try to keep it brief. Mm -hmm. um, well, I own a gym, but if you had asked me in, in high school or told me that I was going to be a business owner of any kind, I would have been mm -hmm. like, you're crazy. There's no way. Um, I didn't know anything about business. I still don't really feel like I know much about business. But um, I went to Nashville School of the Arts, of all places. I did, we'll, we'll start with my very dynamic, uh, we'll call it a dynamic history mm -hmm. of skill <laughs> development. I started at, not started at, but I went to Nashville School of the Arts. I did two years of piano, and then I switched gears to creative writing, two totally different things going on there um, and then from there I went to Austin P my first semester I major I was a double major in uh, calculus and computer programming <laughs> <laughs> but I had an intro to philosophy class which hooked the crap out of me so I followed that path and then majored in philosophy the next semester um, got terribly bored and terribly depressed being alone at college mm -hmm. and joined the Marines did the Marine Corps infantry for four years and then got out and did a semester at a Bible college. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Lots of different exposure so far. Very dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then while I was at the Bible college, I started working for my buddy as a mechanic mm -hmm. with zero background on working on cars. Um, and then that was where working at that shop, that was where I, I got a, a little bit of insight because it was him running a, running a, a good buddy of mine, running a mechanic shop out of his uh, former grandfather-in-law's shed, like out in the woods. And most of the time it was me, him, and one other guy. Um, but we, while I worked for him, we moved twice and landed in a pretty good spot. And by then, you know, we had been through the cycles of hiring and firing a couple people and um, read some leadership books and business management and got into it a little bit. But that was really for the first time um, in my life that I, that I, I wasn't working for myself, but I was working for, for a peer. Mm -hmm. Um, and I got to see him making mistakes and dealing with people. And I was dealing with a lot of our customers working on their cars. They're older. There are people that I would have assumed kind of have their life together otherwise, but people come in usually, usually not always, but usually in kind of a vulnerable state when they, something's mm. gone wrong with their car. Mm. Um, and that kind of really changed my perspective on like, what's going on with people around me. Does that kind of make sense? Because, mm -hmm. um, you know, we hear it over and over. People, like everybody's got their struggles they're dealing with. We all have our, 
our clothes on basically so we can appear mm-hmm. like we have it all together but um, on more than one occasion had people breaking down in the office and hmm. in tears because they, they couldn't afford the bills they had so many other things going on and then their car breaks down and um, anyways and then while I was working at the shop I started doing CrossFit that was mm-hmm. 2013 um, right after the new year I believe at CrossFit Middle Tennessee, mm-hmm. which was a fun, we had a good little crew. We used to wake up, that, I don't know if I've told you this, we woke up at, no, no, we got there at 4.30 a.m., sometimes 4, if I remember right, so we could lift, do heavy lifting before mm-hmm. the 5 or 5.30 class. So you would get to the gym at 4.30? To lift, mm-hmm. and then work out at 5 and then function somehow the rest of the day. <laughs> so what were you at the mechanic shop then? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and luckily the shop, the shop, the gym, and where I lived were all within like a mile radius. Mm-hmm. Um, and when, once we landed our last location at the shop, um, it was right across the street from the gym. So I would show up, go to work. I would show up, work out, and then just walk across the street to work, which was great. But yeah, and then while I was coaching, no, no. And then there was a mass exodus at that gym, some CrossFit drama right, stuff. Right. Um, the, and then 112, mm-hmm. CrossFit 112 started, and that was when I started coaching. So day one, I get back from taking my L1 course, and our head coach basically is stepping out of the way. And the other coach that was there didn't have time to pick up the other classes. So... Uh, day one back from us no internship no shadowing no nothing I was coaching (laughs) the day after you got your L1 the the day after I got it Uh, and it was I mean it was exciting this is it was a pretty casual gym so Mm -hmm. you know back yeah there was I had been after being exposed to the CrossFit headquarters uh, seminar staff I was like man we got a lot of work to do really yeah at our at our home gym because we operate nothing like these mm-hmm. people operate. So I kicked it into gear for that first couple of years and made a lot of good progress. The gym grew, we rebranded, we moved out, went through some stuff in between, but um, yeah, that's my little bit of my professional background. And then I've also got a wife, two kids. We bought a house out in Thompson Station and mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to raise a family. Sterling and Eva. Sterling and Eva. Mm-hmm. My wife, Jade, been married for It'll be 13 years this year. Really? I did not know it was I did not know it was 13 years. Yeah, we got married in 08. Yeah, 13 years this year. Mm-hmm. Long time. Yeah, so pointing back and this is an interesting parallel with with mental health and fitness and something that you were talking about about vulnerability at the mechanic shop. So that's super interesting because so as a therapist I work with children teenagers and their families and these they're in tough spots and Mm -hmm. it's so interesting with whatever family you're raised in some families it's that when you're in public nothing's wrong (laughs) and we don't talk about our issues that kind of thing but it's so interesting that even in a mechanic shop you see that vulnerability from people and I mean understandably so right with Mm -hmm. the like you mentioned how some people can't meet the the bills for their car and so 
with with my job now is that especially with the fam family therapy aspect it's just like everything's on the table yeah. and it's so interesting being in that environment sometimes as a therapist mm -hmm. um, but it's just so so interesting to see that vulnerability in different aspects and relating that to how we see it at gyms so how do you deal with people's vulnerability when they come in for the first session at your gym and they're terrified of what they're about to do. Mm. So our gym space is a little tricky. Mm -hmm. Ideally we would be in a separate room where we could sit down and talk a little bit and then, you know, get into like a one-on-one -on -one assessment. But I do that. The problem is we're kind of on the gym floor. Mm -hmm. um, but I usually kind of pull people to the back get them focused on the whiteboard, get them talking about themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, but probably one of the most important things that I learned early on, because you, you think about, when, especially when you're walking through that front door mm, yeah. uh, to a new place and you don't know who's inside and what you're gonna be greeted with, probably one of the most uncomfortable things I've experienced, even as an experienced CrossFit athlete and gym owner, mm -hmm. walking into another gym if I'm dropping in and mm. nobody speaks to me, yep. it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, gosh, and that's, that's a reason that it's helped me having those experiences dropping in at other gyms has helped me when I see a new face when I'm coaching it's yeah. bam hey yeah. hey how are you doing what's your name <laughs> because man once you have an experience like that it's like I'm gonna make sure that people at my gym are feel as welcome as they yeah, can be and sure. that they belong here yeah. as well yeah. and another thing with that about mental health so as a therapist it's really about from your first session making that person feel welcomed and known and accepted mm -hmm. right from the first five minutes and so that's really important in in the therapeutic relationship as well mm -hmm. so once that person walks in the door you are in the back at free flow at the whiteboard get them talking about themselves how do you deal with the the fears and maybe insecurities that come up for those people um well, obviously one of the biggest objections I get hmm. from people is how much they can't do, hmm. which is simultaneously one of my least favorite and most favorite things to hear from people hmm. because it immediately illuminates a lot of things about what they believe about themselves. Hmm. Um, in, in, in my context, more so physically. Um, but I also don't dispel or try to like push away those things mm -hmm. like that's exactly what we're there to deal with all the mm -hmm. things that you can't do or don't know how to do um, so as they're talking through it I mean we have the plan already really my right. goal and when people come into the gym is to we'll, we'll break down all of those fears not uh, fears and insecurities and, and, and lack of confidence over mm -hmm. time the goal initially is to make sure that they feel welcome and to know that especially me as a coach but also everybody in the building is also there to support them mm. um, and so for me part of that is as far as our culture goes like we have some pretty intimidating athletes sure <laughs> like yourself <laughs> your athletic ability but not your presence or your character sure um, yeah they're I mean but they're, they're in my gym they're walking in usually in the middle of a class mm -hmm. or watching people work out doing kipping pull-ups and snatches and mm -hmm. they walk in and they're there's I wish there was some way for them for that not to be their first impression but 
um, just in our space that can't happen. And so usually I'll, exp I'll kind of talk through like, hey, this is what they're doing. Um, we'll kind of let them finish up. We'll talk and then I'll, mm -hmm. I'll bring them around. But um, what were we, bring me back to the point here. So about vulnerability and how you deal with that when someone walks in to your gym and they're just, they're worried and maybe anxious, scared, whatever it may be about being in a CrossFit gym for the first time. Right. And how you deal with that. So basically, people don't know this, but I'm actually a very touchy-feely, cuddly person. Mm -hmm. So my emotional gear switches and I want to hug them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't because they don't know me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, my, my, my goal is to, is to take all of their fears, insecurities, I can't do this, can't do that, mm -hmm. um, I'm overweight, I'm out of shape, whatever it is, and, and put it kind of right between us so we can look at it and I can prove to them that mm -hmm. uh, we're here to help them work through these things. Mm -hmm. But I feel like maybe at different points in my life I've recognized this tendency to kind of, you know, it's what we were taught growing up, like, not admitting or ignoring mm -hmm. our weaknesses is the, is the way to go about life and focus on your on your strengths mm -hmm. or don't talk down to yourself or um, you know that kind of thing but I don't view talking negatively about myself if I'm being honest as mm -hmm. uh, as a destructive quality mm -hmm. right so I want people to come in I want them to open up usually it takes some questioning you know like mm -hmm. I've got to dig a little deeper as far as my questioning process to get people to really get at what they're dealing with. Because mm -hmm. at first it's, uh, you know, what's your athletic background? Well, I haven't worked out in, I don't know, 10 years, whatever. Um, and I'm overweight and I don't know how to this and that. And um, I forgot where I was going with that. So you're talking about people's self-limiting beliefs, really. Right. Sounds like. Yeah. And then how you handle that as a trainer. I had a specific point I was going to make, and it slipped away. <laughs> Anyways. Um. Yeah, so <laughs> if I can, so a few things that you pointed out. So there's a whole lot there, right, yeah, with, yeah, with yeah. the self-limiting beliefs and and making that connection to counseling oh, yeah. and fitness. So it's that, hmm, it's super interesting because self-limiting beliefs can hold people back so much and keep people out of the door sometimes from yeah. stepping into a CrossFit gym for the first time. Oh yeah, you keep us from, yeah, keep us from a lot of first times. Hmm. Uh, myself, I grew up that way. I kind of grew up mm -hmm. as a, a quitter might be a strong word. Um, I tend to pick up like motor skills or physical skills pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. um, but if I if I I'm competitive, but if I feel like I'm losing, then I'm more likely to quit than mm -hmm. I am to try and win. And I have a few people. I think that's maybe how most people are. But I have a few people in my life who aren't that way. Mm -hmm. um, and 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 I <laughs> and now I have a gym full of people who are that way, mm -hmm. uh, which is really altered my perspective on like I just I, I want people to to know how tough they can really be hmm. um, 
which involves being self-aware. Mm-hmm. It involves knowing and embracing your our weaknesses and talking about them mm-hmm. and not being uh, worried about being shamed and also not being ashamed. Hmm. So yeah, when people walk in for the first time, I mean, usually... Because there's a measure in fitness, right? Like, we mm-hmm. can see who's more fit than, right, right. than who. But um, when really at the core of what, what we do in the gym, it's not about that. It's about, hey, the more behind you are, like, that's just low-hanging fruit. We're going to mm-hmm. knock it all out real quick and then mm-hmm. get you up to speed, that kind of approach. Or if you're, even if you're already ahead of the curve, there's a lot of athletes who, aren't, who are good athletes that aren't confident. Mm-hmm. And that can hold them back as well. Um, so in the gym, we have those conversations about, what's I don't want to use the word but what's wrong what's mm-hmm. wrong with you what are you doing yeah. wrong um, but I, f- I feel like my presence tends to I've been told I have a, <laughs> a co- accommodating might not be the right word people usually react to me in one of two ways mm-hmm. so either they feel really judged by me mm-hmm. by my silence because <laughs> mm-hmm. I tend to be quiet or two um, Usually, it might take a little conversation to get us there, but two, they feel uh, a lack of judgment from me. Hmm. Well, what I what I was thinking that you might say, and but I think one of your strengths is that you can elicit vulnerability from people. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know how. Mm-hmm. I don't have a like a strategy for it. And it does tend to be like one or the other. It's a very polarized mm-hmm. reaction. Like either people open up to me and then mm-hmm. we're friends yeah. or they don't. And I'm kind of introverted and they're kind of introverted and we just don't talk and nothing happens. Yeah. And I think it has to do a lot with the place that you meet them. And I think this is really interesting to look at because the you're meeting them, say it's a, a new athlete that just walked into your gym for the first time, they've never done CrossFit before, you are meeting them with this calm presence in a place that they might have driven by 10 times, mm-hmm. not coming in because they might be too worried to come in. So, and with me as a therapist, meeting these children and teenagers and their families in a really difficult spot, I think a lot of it has to do with timing. And there's mm. this saying in in counseling that is right counselor, right time. Mm. And if a, if a client is not ready to open up, they're not going to. But mm. if they meet the right counselor at the right time, they have that opportunity to be vulnerable and learn new things, but also to be known and accepted for who they are. With that being said, to be challenge to become better than they are now yeah and how how similar is that to a crossfit gym where you take people where they are you challenge them to do more than they can and it's that zone of proximal development so it's giving someone a challenge that's within their reach to meet the challenge even though it's difficult for them but not giving them here, do 10 muscle-ups in a row unbroken when they can't even do five strict pull-ups first. Right, right. So it's getting to that first pull-up, getting to that 
whatever it may be number before you want to do a muscle up rather than shooting the challenge way too high mm -hmm. way too soon and i think that's go ahead sorry i was going to say that's a great point and that's mm -hmm. one of the things i tell people is like look we've got this pyramid of things we've got diagrams we've got definitions mm -hmm. and acronyms and all this stuff and we can get you fit Mm -hmm. but you got to show up mm. first so like nutrition is where the real results happen yeah. we've, we've figured that out with with fitness here no question about the past that decade yeah. or so but um people walk in and yeah they they want results they want results fast mm -hmm. um and they get discouraged typically within two or three weeks if mm. if they're not getting what they hope they would get from the program um so usually the first goal i give people is like hey get here three days a week for two or three weeks consistently or four days or however many you can stand um, and start to build that habit and then we can look at what's next because it, mm -hmm. it does it has to be incremental and when people are walking in the gym you're talking about the first step to what could potentially be major lifestyle changes but major lifestyle changes don't happen when they walk in the door mm -hmm. Um, so there's a lot of, in that first meeting with people, there's a lot of managing expectations um, and making sure I meet them where they're at because people come in with very, not everybody, but people, a lot of people come in with very unrealistic expectations about hmm. how this is going to go <laughs> once they start working out and what their body's going to do and how they're going to mm -hmm. feel. It's like, hey, the first two or three weeks, you're going to be sore and you're going to be tired. Mm -hmm. um, we can adjust based on how much you've been coming you know once you get started we just don't have anything to work with when you walk through the door we get that assessment done and then we need to start with step number one mm -hmm. show up show up do the workout i feel like that a step like that makes it more manageable than here's everything i know which is mm -hmm. what i used to do in my early coaching days here's mm -hmm. everything i know let's try to change everything right now as fast as we can mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> not sustainable yeah and just showing up is the first step because if you don't show up nothing else can happen right yeah and so much of the change happens in just being around the culture and the people. Mm. Um, the community. Yeah. Because you're, I don't know, it's like osmosis or something. I'm sure, there's, I'm sure there's some psychological data they have that shows, you know, that whatever that saying is, you, you're most like you're the five people you mm. spend the most time with. Um, and people in crossfit gyms see each other a lot more than they see most other people Gosh, that is so true <laughs> yeah. i mean how many people in how many people do you see an hour a day three four five six days a week right and, and on top of that you're doing activities that leave you vulnerable exactly yeah so it's a it's not only are you being assimilated into a culture which is why crossfit's been mm -hmm. called a cult um Shoot, I lost it. Well, that community is affecting you. Right. In yeah. very positive ways. Right. It has the power to. Yes. If, yeah, if you let it, I guess. All right. So speaking of community, so for example, some ways that I've seen that you've affected me in my CrossFit journey are a lot of definitely encouragement. and But going back to... What, what we were talking about, about seeing people so often, I think that really builds a strong sense of community between people, but also the kind of camaraderie and sharing those experiences 
through workouts and seeing each other on a daily or multiple times weekly basis. But earlier you mentioned that you remember me from when I walked in for my intro session and you said you would find out who you proved to be is what you said. So what oh, did yeah. you what did you mean by that? So like I, I, I there was nothing remarkable about remarkable about you when you walked in the gym. So I don't have like a vivid memory mm -hmm. of that. But you were like this kind of very stable, consistent presence throughout mm -hmm. my early coaching days. Mm -hmm. And uh, not not surprising at this point. It was surprising at the time, but you were also very supportive of, of my coaching mm -hmm. style and um, what I was trying to teach back then. Mm -hmm. um, and if it wasn't for, because we also had a massive culture shift mm -hmm. taking place when, yeah. I, when I started coaching. There was new people coming in and some old... And coaches coming and going. Yeah, and coaches yeah. coming and going. There was a lot, a lot changing. Um, and I wasn't an owner yet. So in those early days, and I couldn't have told you this at the time, but encouragement for me was very important. Hmm. Um, hearing feedback about the fact that I was having a positive effect on the hmm. people I was coaching. Um, and then beyond that, man, you've, <laughs> the character of, of Adam is very stable. Hmm. And so you've been a very, ever since then, you've been a very stable presence um, and your approach to things is evolving, but also very consistent. Mm -hmm. um, and so, especially more so when I was your coach, you would keep me accountable for what I knew because mm -hmm. you were always asking questions. Why? Why this? Why do we do this this way? Mm -hmm. How do we do this? Can you teach me how to do that? And <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe it was ego back then. I don't know. But I never wanted to say that I didn't have an answer. Mm -hmm. um, I eventually learned how important that was as a coach to say, sometimes yeah, I yeah. just don't know. Um, but I would try. And, and it wasn't like I didn't have the information, but I had to dig for it and I mm -hmm. had to get creative about how I was teaching it when I didn't know progressions. And um, you know, eventually me and you started getting into the philosophical discussions, but uh, yeah. So very, very stable, constant presence, but also a presence that kept me honest hmm. through your inquisitive nature. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and I think that's that part of what you said about it being okay to say I don't know. And as a as a therapist, so I'm literally as young as anyone could be to be in my <laughs> position as a therapist. Yeah, and yeah. I'm super passionate about what I do for work, but not but, but and, <laughs> and I'm very aware that I'm new to the field. And mm -hmm. so that's a really interesting place to be because it's that I read so much, so much about this. I've been in the field, but I feel like with counseling, it's people's problems are so complex mm -hmm. and people are so complex. Mm -hmm. It's, it's never ever that you, in counseling, that the counselor reads a set of questions and answers a set of questions and then the person's <laughs> problems are fixed yeah. and they go about their life. But right. it's so complex. And so with that, with 
with kind of finding the freedom to say, I don't know, but let's find out together. Yeah. I think that's a really good way to go about it or something along the lines of, that's a great question, let me find a great answer right. and we'll come back to it. Yeah. And of course it's important as a coach and a therapist to not be like just every other question. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, to have good. a solid knowledge base, but maybe it's also to be wise enough to admit that you don't have all the answers. Yeah. I think for that's sure. a I think that's a really important part of it and knowing what you know, but also owning what you don't know yet. Mm-hmm. I think is a mm-hmm. important and really good way to look at it as well yeah i I, shout out to jordan peterson Mm -hmm. but he you know he goes on and on about the importance of the the balance in your life between order and chaos Mm -hmm. and that's that's exactly what that is is you want to be skirting that line of Mm -hmm. i have some things that i know i know but i have a whole lot of other things that i'm not really sure about Mm -hmm. and so that gives you one foot in a safe place where you can operate and and uh, you know, be expressive and um, kind of stretch your limbs out a little bit. But when you go out into the into the unknown, um, you learn more, and you're likely to learn quickly if you're paying attention. But you've got to have that place to go back to, hmm. or you've got to, you know, you've got to have the, you've got to have a <laughs> a steady source of income before you mm-hmm. can start making investments. If that makes mm-hmm. sense, or taking risks with your money. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a good point, good parallel. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's important as well to be really good at what you know, and or, sorry, be really good at what you do, but also not lose that passion to be even better and continuing yeah. to improve. Exactly. There's no ceilings. Yeah, and there's also there's no ceilings and I think there's no limits also because there's always room to grow and there's always room to improve. Mm -hmm. And I think when we lose that drive, we stop helping people as well as we could because with, with my clients, I mean, with the, just the nature of my work, it's that clients have all kinds of different issues and no two people are the same and so no therapeutic relationship is going to be the same no coaching relationship is going to be the same and and it's we we have to adapt and grow I think whether it's after every therapy session that I do or every class that I coach or every training session if we can call it that for a class mm-hmm. it's it's reflecting and the power of reflection i mean me and you have talked about this quite a bit but the power of first i think it's important to reflect on what we did well because it's so easy to point out everything we did poorly or mm-hmm. not as good as we could have but and i talk with my clients about this quite a bit it's and it's really encouraging i think for families and children and teenagers to hear this but it's, all right, what did you do well this week? What did, what did I do well as a therapist during that session? What did I do well as a coach? What, what movement in that workout did I perform very well? Mm-hmm. But also, where could I have done better? Mm-hmm. And not, not necessarily beating yourself up about things you didn't do as well as you could have, but always looking 
to improve. And I think that's applicable to whatever arena that you're in and whatever job that you have. Also, it's you can reflect at the end of each day on what you did well and where you can improve. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, it's been huge. Reflection's been huge for me. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a point when it was, it felt like my whole life was kind of like crumbling. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't know what to do you know, in those moments and you just kind of like, I just kind of weathered the storm. Mm -hmm. But then in hindsight, there was a lot of lessons to take away from mm -hmm. what I experienced. Um, and it had to do with the gym. And I was, I, I basically I had gotten to a point where I was working mm -hmm. at the shop and running the gym. Um, and like, basically I, I just wasn't home. And so home life started to suffer relationship with my wife started to suffer. Um, and I got to the just with between the anxiety and the not being emotionally comfortable at home, mm -hmm. um, I just kind of started to break down. And I, I deal with some anxiety, depression stuff, anyways. But I've actually been in counseling for I think I've told you mm -hmm. since you've known me since mm -hmm. long before you knew me, um, 2011. Um, but I see residents at the VA, and so they rotate, mm -hmm. and so I've been exposed to at this point six or seven different therapists um which in reflection also has some benefits because it, it's it's helped me as i look back on it i didn't like i haven't liked one or two of them yeah <laughs> not like i don't know who they are as people so right, i'm not saying right. i don't like them as people but but maybe i should say i didn't like their uh their approach because mm -hmm. and oddly enough it was uh a couple of them were answer people and they would just throw answers at me. They would listen for a while, mm -hmm. and then eventually they would just throw answers at me. And I didn't like that because ultimately there's a, there's a good phrase that's, that's getting tossed around now about um, your people's approach to coaching, and it's that our job is to make people the hero of their own stories. Mm -hmm. um, and when I it's, – it's integrated into my – behavior over time like I, you know I didn't like hear that and immediately right, right. mind shift sh mindset shift but um, in hindsight now evaluating different relationships I've had um, or situations where I've hired a coach to help me do something um, I wasn't ever really looking for answers mm -hmm. I was looking for a sounding board I was looking for somebody who had been through what I'm going through that I could just relate with mm -hmm. and just the you know, I don't know what the processes are that, that go on internally, psychologically, but just knowing that I wasn't alone hmm. changes, like, you know, it, it brightens up the whole future. It's like, hey, I'm not the only one who's been through this. Um, talking through it helps me process a lot of the feelings. It helps me get my thoughts in order. Um, so it goes back to that community yeah it does thing yeah and part of that i think so a few things in in what you're talking about so you talked about when you were in those really difficult spots weathering the storm and then learning the lessons afterward and i think that's a big part of well the the two-part episode I did on resilience but it's not necessarily about trying to learn in the moment 
right. so much as yeah. getting through it and then reflecting on it afterward and learning through it. And I recently did an episode where it's where I talk about feeling everything that you need to feel mm. rather than trying to rush the experience and just get benefits from it. Mm -hmm. We have to live it. Mm -hmm. We can't just bypass it and then learn from it. Mm -hmm. And then also something you talked about, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot recently and just as a therapist being with people in their, in their struggle and hearing about their pain, it's so often people want a why. They mm. said, why did this happen to yes. me? Why did this happen yeah. to me? I think the better question to be asking instead of why is who? And what I mean by that is finding people to be with us in our pain. Mm. We don't want someone maybe pulling us through it, pulling us by our hand, but maybe walking side by side with us, holding our hand. Mm. And because I think something about pain is that being alone in pain makes it even more painful than it would be mm -hmm. if there was someone with us. And I think that's such an important part. And like you said, community is having people to do life with, mm -hmm. but also having people who will take our hand and walk beside us in life and in the pain that we experience. Because mm -hmm. I think it's, it's so important when we are in pain. Yes, there's times we need to be by ourselves to reflect, but we also need support. We can't be our own support and that's all we have. We, right. we have to reach out to others for help when we need it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a huge amount of value in that. Um, going back to... Uh, my least favorite, most favorite thing to hear is when people say I can't. Mm -hmm. um, I've learned one tool that I use if I'm in a dark place, which could be a workout or it could be you mm -hmm. know a phase of life, whatever. Mm -hmm. Is it is? I think it's important to feel. Like it's very important to to feel what we're going through and mm -hmm. and also be able to uh, observe how we're reacting like from mm. that's the unique ability that mm -hmm. one of the unique ability that humans have is we can kind of step outside of ourselves mm -hmm. like no matter how dark it gets we have some capacity to do that um but as soon as the phrase i can't enters our mind or if i'm dealing with a with a somebody at the gym as soon as they say that it's like all right we've immediately illuminated mm. the problem and we can take that question and just flip it around and say, well, what can you do? How mm. close can you get to doing a pull-up? Or um, I do it with my kids. It's harder with kids because kids have almost no self-awareness. <laughs> and they don't know what their limits are and they don't know how the world works. And well, yeah, and it depends <laughs> on the kid and their age, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So many factors. Yeah. But uh, I have to... It, it helps me in my coaching, but coaching has also helped me in my parenting because I, hmm. I look at my kids and I'm like, I have I try to remember what it was like. They're getting to that age now where I, I have some memories hmm. of what it was like to be that age. So I think back like, what was I concerned about when I was hmm. nine years old? And it wasn't anything like what I'm concerned about now that I'm 30 years old. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I can't try to parent 
my child into being a 30 year old <laughs> in a year. I've got to observe where they're at and then try to meet them where they are so I can help them move forward incrementally rather than expecting them to make unrealistic jumps. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so turning, turning the phrase, I can't, into the question, what can I do? Um, <laughs> and then the, what really reinforced that was you don't think of it as a big thing, but when you do something in the gym that you didn't know that you could do mm. and, and people applaud you or cheer for you, mm. <laughs> they're excited Man. for you. Man. It's powerful. <laughs> it is. Mm. And it's one of those feelings like I'm a guy, I'm competitive. I'm not, I'm not an alpha male, but I am competitive and I'm kind of reserved anyways. Mm-hmm. So when people encourage me, I just kind of go internal because it's mm. uncomfortable for me. Um, but I can't say that it hasn't had a, you know, like... Yeah, being able to do stuff in the gym and have people be proud of me is one of the things that's kept me coming back, Hmm. regardless of what it was. All right, so I really like what you were talking about, about that statement, I can't, and and I can't even tell you how many times (laughs) I hear that from people at the gym, and it is, man, especially new people, but then some experienced members also getting the getting the state of I can't I've oh, never yeah. been able to and I yeah. never will yeah but also with in in my work as a therapist these children and teenagers and and their families have been stuck in these cycles for so mm-hmm. long mm-hmm. it's like I can't change this has been going on my whole life yeah. and so that's just an interesting, another interesting parallel between mental health and and what we see in the gym with fitness as well. So I want us to give, I want us to both give an example of a time we've said I can't, and then we have eventually. But first, how have you seen people be positively impacted in their emotional and mental health at your gym? Man, so many ways. I mean, one one great example. I'll obscure details just for confidentiality's sake. Mm-hmm. But had an older person come in, and you know he could barely carry a barbell across the room, hmm. like holding it anyway. Um, overweight, lots of problems. You know, arthritic knee and bad hip, and and th- can't go overhead and all this stuff. And they came in on a six week challenge. And by the end of the six-week challenge, mm. barbell was no problem, obviously. Lost some weight. Wasn't, they weren't at a goal weight. Mm. They lost some weight. Um, but something like getting up off the ground mm. for them was a challenge. Couldn't lunge. Couldn't. Uh, we worked on Turkish get-ups for a while. Like being able to, j- no weight, just being able to get up off the ground in some systematic way and be aware of their body. Um, and then, I mean, gosh, it was probably four or five months after that that they deadlifted like 300 pounds. Um, 
talk, and then and they were telling stories about how they could finally they they took their kid to the water park hmm. and they were able to get up the stairs hmm. with their five year old <laughs> mm-hmm. to the top of the water slides and slide down with them like hmm. man in 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 less than six months hmm. they completely changed their life um, and there's another one I mean there's another lady who who told me one day that the first time one of the members jumped in at the end of her workout to, mm-hmm. to finish it with her after this person had just worked out, mm-hmm. she, she almost broke down crying because mm-hmm. she had clearly very dissatisfied with her athletic capabilities. She wasn't confident. She played like she was confident. Mm-hmm. She could joke with the best of them um, and be sarcastic and whatever, but you Hmm. know people like that you never know what's going on internally Hmm. she's usually the last to finish and Mm -hmm. um she doesn't like it when she's finishing after everybody so the fact that she wasn't finishing alone you know Hmm. just blew her out of the water well yeah and so earlier we talked about we talked about the power of vulnerability and then we talked a bit about having that having people with us in our hurt Mm -hmm. rather than asking why asking who and finding Mm -hmm. out who's with us Mm -hmm. and but -hmm. it's also really powerful how having someone with us in pain can open up our own vulnerability Mm -hmm. and open up those depths of us that maybe no one's ever seen before Mm -hmm. yeah I think on some level we've I know, at least I speak for myself. Mm. I've been conditioned that being in pain is part of life, mm. but it's not okay. Does that make sense? Like people hurt, but you don't just walk around displaying your hurt. And I think the message that I turn that into is it's not okay to hurt mm. as I went through life. Um, and I probably have a feeling I'm not the only one. <laughs> mm. And so just like you were saying, just being with someone in their pain uh, at, a, at a core level, I think, is revolutionary for people. Mm. Very life-changing because they realize mm. there are people in the world they can be vulnerable with. I think that's the darkest times in my life were the, were the times when I felt like I didn't have anybody to go to. Mm. And it wasn't like I needed, like I said, I realized a while ago, I, I wasn't looking for answers necessarily or, or a way out or that kind of thing. I was looking for companionship yeah. on some level. Yeah. Just, you know, not being alone. Mm. I don't know. If, have you ever been in the, in the woods at night alone in the dark? If I have, I think I would wish I hadn't. Man. So. If, you're not, if you're not used to the woods. you know, Does so not we'll, sound like a good time. <laughs> we'll, we'll say a foreign environment. But people don't realize, mm-hmm. like in military training, you don't think about how dark it gets mm. out. In, in the military, we weren't alone. Like we'd be on a training, a training op, training operation, whatever. Uh, but even having people there, like it gets so dark, you can't see your hand in front of your face type mm-hmm. of thing. And you're just kind of out in the woods and you don't, especially when we got there at night and we didn't know what anything actually looked like. It's mm-hmm. one thing to see a place in the day and then it's dark. Right. But when you're in an unfamiliar place, you've got nobody around you and you have no idea what's around you. Like mm-hmm. that's a hard place to be physiologically. Like mm-hmm. when you're, because there could be a, a threat, like your mind is populating all these images of 
of what could be <laughs> yeah. rather than being able to deal with what is. But then, you know, if you put yourself in that situation mentally and then, and then place somebody else you trust there with you, then it's a whole different situation. Mm. Now, we, now we might have some capacity to feel like we can at least get out of there, if not maybe thrive at some point. Mm. Yeah, and that's, that's really interesting as well. And I've mentioned this in a previous episode, but so with counseling, me as a therapist, I'm in the room with a client, client and their parent, client and their whole family, whatever it may be, and I am the tool. I don't have any tools to use, but in in the counseling session, I am the tool. Hmm. So I think that's another reason why it's super important to hmm, really to be working on myself daily and getting better and better hmm. constantly when I can and where I can. Mm -hmm. And not putting unrealistic expectation of myself to be perfect all the time because no one is and no one can be. Right. And that includes me. So, but accepting, going back to what I said, going or accepting what I did well and where I can improve. But man, that's a really powerful image that you said about being in the woods at night in the dark and being by yourself and imagine someoneing, someone being there with you that you trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, because you think about in a, um, I don't have a professional background in therapy by any means, mm -hmm. but I've been around people who've been in therapy. I've been in therapy, and then Vrooman with his mm -hmm. Chris Vrooman with his journey training thing. Um, I've I've realized, and I'm sure you've realized this too. Like a lot of people live live in hostile environments, mm. um, and that may not necessarily be easily visible from the outside. And so you think about the stress levels of being in the wood and unfamiliar terrain mm -hmm. with potentially hostile things out there that, that want to hurt you potentially. Mm -hmm. Like that's a way different mm -hmm. life experience than growing up in a home where people care about you. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, hostility is not always uh, intentional or, or um, conscious. But still, it doesn't doesn't necessarily. I guess it would change the effect. But either way, it's a hostile. You know, mm -hmm. it's a very uncomfortable way to grow up without much room for, like you're you're fighting for survival rather than exploration and growth. Hmm. Yeah, with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's that those safety needs have to be met before anything else right. can happen, before yeah. we even care about anything else. We have to make sure that we're safe. So those those basic needs of water, food, and shelter, because the thing is, if someone doesn't have a place to live, they might not be thinking of things like, hmm, I wonder what my best and highest potential could be in life. 
for sure. It's that that's not what they need. They need a place to sleep. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and the the hostile environment is really interesting to think about. And another thing is that with people coming in to your gym and when I'm there, but the other gym I coach at as well, is we don't know what these people are experiencing in their day-to-day life. Mm -hmm. And we see an hour of their day, maybe. Maybe three, four, five times a week. But, and we see glimpses that they show us. Mm -hmm. But I think it's super important, just as a coach, to be aware that we're only getting a little bit of the story at a time. And there's that, there's that quote that talks about everyone's fighting a battle you might know nothing about. And I just think that's super important to keep in mind. And with my work as a therapist, I can assure you that everyone's fighting a battle that <laughs> yeah. few other people know about. Yeah. And it's going back to that, not why, but who, it's, man, it is so special for me in my life to get to be my client's trusted person Mm -hmm. and a trusted person in their life. And yeah, it's just a really, really special opportunity. And that's something I'm thankful for every day. Yeah. But going back to the, I can't, and now I can, or maybe someday I will, in my life. So I remember after I went to free flow for the first few times, then I went back to school and I was working out by myself mm-hmm. and I had never snatched before, but of course I'd watch videos and seen people do it. Yeah. And I'm like, man, that's so cool. And, but basically I couldn't snatch barely the barbell and I just couldn't figure out the movement of a squat snatch. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but about a month ago, I snatched 205. Yeah. And that was, I mean, the, the snatch is my favorite lift, and that was just so cool. Yeah. And that was so incredible because yeah. it was a, it was a fact that I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fact that I could not snatch the empty bar yeah. and catch it without falling or whatever. Yeah. But snatching 205 was a very significant moment for me. Mm. For sure. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, I like to, that's one, those are always my favorite, some of my favorite stories is watching people's, uh, like, severe weaknesses, we'll call them. I guess, mm-hmm. like, things that, like, maybe they lack coordination, maybe they lack strength, maybe it's body composition, but things that they just thought they'd never dream of doing mm-hmm. that are their biggest weaknesses turn into their favorite things to do. Mm-hmm. Those are always fun. It sounds like that's what happened. Well, you know how much I like to snatch and that sounds super that sounds super applicable to me because it was I mean like I said something I could not do right yeah and now it's literally my favorite lift mm-hmm. and it's super exciting to do and um, I'll call out Jimmy Jimmy has the same story mm-hmm. he's told people but he when he started CrossFit he couldn't overhead squat Jimmy's the co-owner of Free yes, with yeah, Josh yeah, sorry he's my he's my business partner so and he didn't realize how bad he was at overhead squatting until mm-hmm. he was on the competition floor 
doing one of his early competitions mm-hmm. <laughs> and couldn't get through one of the workouts because he couldn't overhead squat. And mm-hmm. now we made a workout for him recently for Veterans Day and it had overhead squats in it because <laughs> mm-hmm. he now likes them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that and making this connection with making this connection of fitness with mental health it's that as a therapist I often meet people my clients in their darkest times mm. and man I, I'm, I just marvel sometimes at the opportunity I get like I mentioned earlier to be such a trusted person mm. but also to get to help these people through the maybe the most difficult times mm-hmm. of their lives mm-hmm. yeah that is a big opportunity mm-hmm. um yeah, we won't get into that. Never mind. Different road. All right. Well, coming close to wrapping up, what is the biggest life lesson you've learned through fitness? I really like this question. <laughs> <laughs> Man. So like I said, I kind of grew up. I wasn't a quitter per se. Quitter might be a strong word, but I tend to, like most people do, just gravitate towards what I'm good at. Um, but, but what I loved about CrossFit was how many different things you had to be good at mm. to be good at CrossFit um, and for for whatever reason you know it just flipped that competitive switch in me and I realized I had to take my weaknesses like head-on like if you want to be if I want to be good at this which I did then I couldn't tiptoe around it mm. I had to just I would say, I want to say jump in, but I don't know if jump in is the right word. I had to attack it, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, I came out of the Marines, so I was pretty proficient in pull-ups. I'll use this example. I didn't know how to kip, but, um, and I didn't know any, like, any sort of gymnastics technique, but I could muscle my way through mm-hmm. some workouts that had pull-ups and toes of bar. Um, so I would practice butterfly pull-ups, not a lot, just... I mean, frequently, but not in high volume. Mm-hmm. So I do a few before class, I do a few after class. Um, same thing with muscle ups, same thing with handstand push ups, um, all the stuff that's a little more technical. But as I've done that for the past eight years that I've done CrossFit, seven years, whatever, however long it's been, that has started to bleed into my approach to, like, I went, went back to school mm-hmm. recently, MTSU, to pursue a degree in exercise science. And it was like, there was a very stark difference between how I made this decision mm-hmm. and how I made other decisions in my life. Other decisions were kind of like on a whim almost. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, like I've been debating between these thousand options. I'm gonna just go with this one and see mm-hmm. how it goes. And I think there's some degree of that you have to do in life to kind of figure out your preferences and styles and, and things like that. But um, like I've just decided I'm gonna get an exercise science degree. It's not like there's, and I, I understand there's a struggle entailed with mm-hmm. running a business and going to school and having a family, but there was no question. Like mm-hmm. we're just gonna do this. So what about fitness helped you make that decision? And be just so decisive about that, whereas in the past you might have not been. It was, yeah, so it was learning that new approach. Mm. Like, 
if I want something, I can't be timid about it mm. anymore, or I can't like sit back and hope it comes to me at some point. Mm -hmm. Have to get up and go get it. <laughs> yeah, because in the gym, it's a muscle up's not just going to fall into our lap. It's not. Yeah, it's really not. And there, and, and and now there's more people. Now that there's more of this information floating around, there's people talking about the difference in. Like Bergeron talks about it, Peterson talks about it, the difference in our physiology mm -hmm. when we attack something versus when we feel like we've been attacked mm -hmm. um, and what the typical outcomes of those two contrasting situations are where when we um, decide to attack something, then we tend to grow a lot more and mm -hmm. learn a lot more when mm -hmm. we take it on. Um, we're a lot less overwhelmed. The stress response is lower. Mm -hmm. We're more focused. Whereas when we feel like we've been attacked, it's more panicky. It's like, oh, hmm. like another thing to put on my plate. I can't handle this. Well, like, yeah, it's it's the old, who said it forward, whether you think you can or you think you can't, mm -hmm. you're right. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's kind of what what they were speaking to. And the, that's the lesson that I've integrated through my, man, there's been so many workouts when I get 80% through and I want to quit. I mm -hmm. want to stop so bad. <laughs> mm -hmm. Or like when we've done the couple times that I've completed the, the Jesus wad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Every time I'm like, I can't do this. For like the last 20 minutes of the workout, mm -hmm. it, the, the tape playing in my head is, I can't do this. I can't mm -hmm. do this. I'm going to get hurt. I'm done. <laughs> mm -hmm. But you just do one rep at a time. Just one thing. Um, one thing at a time. And don't stop moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and something that stood out to me of what you were just saying is that right before we started recording this episode, we were talking about it, but a lesson I've learned lately is that if there's something in my life that I want and I don't do it, mm -hmm. it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And so looking in the gym, if there's someone who wants to get their first muscle up, you're gonna to have to put in quite a bit of work to get that, mm -hmm. and there's no way around that. Yep. Genetic, genetic gifts, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> or, or a gymnastics background in childhood. There you go. But the work's been put in already. At <laughs> well, that that's point. a good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and a mental health example that if we want something in our life to change but we don't put in the work to change. We really need to think about why we're getting upset that we're not changing if we're For not sure. putting in the work yeah. to change. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to get somewhere, you've got to get up and go. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's helped me kind of develop those tools. Like we're talking about, like now I know, I can't, I don't function nearly as optimally without a community. Not that mm -hmm. I can't function, mm -hmm. but like my emotional health drops probably by about 40 to 60%, I would say, if I don't feel like I have a, a, a tribe. Mm -hmm. um, and then the I can't versus the what can I do. What else did we talk about? I'm just kind of recapping. Talk quite about honesty and vulnerability. Yeah, being able to admit and embrace your weaknesses. And in general, lessons learned through fitness. Yeah. We talked about 
asking who instead of why. Yeah. Talked a bit about resilience. Weathering the storm. And how... how you deal with other people's fear when they walk into a gym. Mm. Man, I think that's so important. Mm-hmm. And connecting those things, it takes vulnerability to walk into a CrossFit gym for the first time. For sure. It takes vulnerability to reach out to a gym at mm-hmm. all. And it takes honesty about where you're at. Mm-hmm. And then that changing that narrative of I really liked what you said about rather than just saying I can't, I can't, I can't. Okay, let's focus on what you can do. Because with scaling in CrossFit, that's so important. Because mm-hmm. to be a good coach you find what people can do and you mm-hmm. build off of that you don't just throw them into a workout where they can't do it or probably shouldn't be coaching right. Right. <laughs> and then yeah I think the power of vulnerability is what has really stuck out to me hmm. Yeah, there's a lot in there. I view my therapy sessions a lot like CrossFit sessions, like mm-hmm. workouts. And I've told my therapist, well, my past, maybe just the last two. Um, you know, like when I go to a therapy session, and this is what makes it effective, right? Mm-hmm. Like the work that I put in. Mm-hmm. Um, it, my therapy sessions have very little to do with the therapist. Obviously, I've said that I've re- realized that I prefer or don't prefer certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, now that I know what those are, I can communicate them. And a good therapist, my therapists that I've had have been responsive to the to the requests that I've made. But um, when I show up, like it's it's the me show. It's me putting in work, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna. I believe that I'll get out of it whatever I put into it, regardless of yeah. what the therapist has going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but a good therapist amplifies Mm. the positive effects of what happens Mm. I think I can probably be be also be said of coaches Mm -hmm. and athlete the coach athlete relationship where like uh, some people obviously give on them give up on themselves quickly in the physical arena Mm. Um, some people are they say like there's there's people that are almost always on the verge like they're always they're they're uh, we'll call them unstable so they're willing to try things but mm-hmm. they're super like anxious they get worried like test anxiety type stuff mm-hmm. they get worked up easily and then they get overly stressed and then they can't learn things because they're mm-hmm. white knuckling the experience but um the goal i think with my relationship with my athletes for me is mm. is to help them realize that in almost no scenario in the gym should there be a point when they say I can't do this mm. everything that they see happening all the workouts that get written I want them to know that that's a great goal to be able to do it as it's written but ultimately 
um, really what we're working at is overcoming whatever's right in front of them mm. as an obstacle. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this has been on my mind a few times during this conversation, but awareness is the first step to change. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned it when we were talking about people when they come into your gym for the first time for an on-ramp or an intro session, figuring out what they can do and mm-hmm. where they're at. Mm-hmm. I think that's the exact word, wording that you used, but we can't change anything if we don't know what we want to change or what what it is now. Right. So I think that's a super important thing. And that's something else that we've talked about is that self-awareness and we touched on reflection, self-reflection as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my, I'm not a real high energy person. <laughs> uh, there's a lot going on internally mm-hmm. if you're looking at me and I'm just sitting there staring at something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most, you know, most of what's going on gets filtered into one or two sentences. And it's interesting knowing you really well and hearing people at your gym that don't might not know you super well and right. saying how they perceive you like to you when you're there and it's like oh man I see that but he's so different but go ahead <laughs> go ahead <laughs> uh, yeah a lot of people think I'm like this super tough rigid disciplined mm-hmm. and, and there's some aspects of me that have some of that but anyways uh, oh yeah, yeah yeah uh a lot going on internally mm-hmm. but my Kind of, kind of like my mo. I figured out is, um, I'm not usually, I'm not a good frontline guy. I'm not good. Um, I can be good in the spotlight or in a chaotic situation, if nobody else is. Mm-hmm. Um, I can, I can pull it out of me. But I'm the most comfortable when I'm allowed to ob- kind of observe and analyze and mm-hmm. then give input where there's just cracks in the foundation or in the structure or whatever. Um, which is why coaching works so well for me because, mm-hmm. you know, basically like, yeah, I know your squat's not perfect. Show me five squats and then we'll build off of what's already there. Right. Um, and so essentially I think the stance that I've adopted from uh, learning what I have from fitness and from coaching and from therapy is – I have a pretty strong uh, internal sense of identity mm. and I'm going to try to evolve that and hang on to it um, and reach, I, I will reach out as long as it doesn't compromise my identity. Mm. Try to think of an example. Um, like with the way me and Jimmy run the gym, actually. When I first started, I wanted it to be CrossFit headquarters, like seminar staff. That was my, that was my, and it still kind of is, it's still there. Um, But there's a real delicate balance of trying to figure out how to get there without sacrificing the personal side of it. I know exactly what you're talking about with (laughs) with the seminar staff, because the thing is they're such clear and direct communicators. So I think I know what you're yes. what you're trying yeah, to get yeah, at, yeah. but you don't want to lose the personal side of free flow, either. right? Right. Because well, so from the, from a business 
standpoint. Uh, there's moves that we could make or could have made mm-hmm. at different points that were would have been smarter business moves or even like the way we run our membership and the policies, I use air quotes, policies mm-hmm. we have in place. Like we're at least pseudo friends with almost everybody that comes to the gym. And so mm-hmm. it feels wrong to uh, impose policy for the sake of policy. It feels wrong to uh, like increase rates based on the market, you know? Um, not that that's not important. Those are business things we have mm-hmm. to be aware of and mm-hmm. adapt to appropriately. But there, it's a it's a real tough line for me mm. um, trying to be who I am, care about people on the level that I do, and figure out how to make money mm. without uh, selling my soul, per se. Mm-hmm. But kind of where I was trying to go with that was... Um, talking about being able to persevere in hardship. So Mm -hmm. I, (laughs) I don't go looking for trouble. Mm -hmm. I I think I did for a few years. Like when I first started the gym and I was kind of in hardship or trouble challenges, Mm, challenges. That's a good word. (laughs) Um, I wasn't, or I've taken a more relaxed stance on proactive growth at this phase in my Mm -hmm. life. It's not to say that the the old running and gunning me won't come back, but um, I think through running and gunning, I figured out that I need to have a pretty strong home base to come back to. Mm. Yeah. I'm kind of processing this for the first time on some Mm. level. So I went through the the episode with working too much, family falling apart, um, and then internally I was in like emotional turmoil because I wasn't sure how to stick to my values with everything I had going Mm. on. Um, So in hindsight, several years later looking back, I can say, oh, I was just unstable. I didn't have a good Mm. foundation to stand on. I didn't have really solid relationships. The the relationships I did have were crumbling um, and that whole yeah, I was just I was trapped on a crumbling platform is what it mm. felt like because I didn't have a a home base to go to to escape the chaos. Um, and so from that, I've made at least the past couple of years, I've made building my home base a little a little more a lot more of a priority. Mm-hmm. And that turned into um focusing on the relationships in the gym and focusing on my relationships at home and I'm grateful that we are in a place financially to do that mm-hmm. because not everybody is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but being able to weather the storm, hanging on to hanging on to my identity and not overextending, because mm-hmm. you got to have a safe place to come back to to mm. to be able to reflect and take the time to grow. Yeah, and I think a big important part is that awareness of identity too so being really firm in that identity so that you have a firm base to act from Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it makes decision making a lot easier Mm -hmm. but it takes time 
Yeah, it does. I thought I could do it. I thought because I list. I was at. A, I was on. A, it was a barbell shrug or barbell business. Mm-hmm. At one point, they went through this big phase of talking about how important your why is, and mm-hmm. I read the Simon Simon Sinek's book, Start with Why, and it was all clicking and it was making sense. And I got to find my why, and mm-hmm. I sat in the bedroom alone for long periods of time and came up with some pretty good stuff. But I think it's really hard to know unless unless who you are has been tested. Hmm. Not that it's impossible to know, but you hmm. you do kind of need a you need a, a journey to Mecca type of hmm. situation to to break free of some things hmm. or to gain certain perspectives, which is essentially what my dark days were for me. Mm-hmm. And I hope there's no days as dark as those in the future, but mm-hmm. if there was. I have a whole different uh, outlook than I had the first time through. Mm-hmm. Which, man, like it just changes my level of confidence. Mm. You know, like being in school now and seeing the younger people in class, and I'm like, like I remember what I was like my first year in college, and I wasn't a like a party guy, like typical what you would think when you think young college guy. Um, I mostly sat in my room and played video games if I had time off. There was some, like a Bible study group I hung out with, but I didn't do much. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I saying? Well, you were talking about, you are talking about having the journey of knowing yourself and being tested. And then you were talking about young guys in college. Yeah, I and hate seeing it when I them. Do this. So basically, the way my brain works is it's mm-hmm. always processing about ten thousand things at one time <laughs> in the background. <laughs> and my my goal is to try and connect things and make things make sense. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's a it's like an internal ADHD. I look like I'm focused, but I'm not focused at all. <laughs> it, may, it, it might come back. I don't know. I totally lost it. But I think that. I think that's a good spot to wrap up, yeah. especially with that that part where you were talking about about the end, about knowing yourself, but having that journey to get there and being tested to find out who you are, rather than rather than just sitting in a room and writing about it, but mm-hmm. going and living and finding out, yeah. as well as mixing reflection and journaling in for sure, mm-hmm. but being tested in life. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be intense, mm-hmm. really, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, like just do something you haven't done before. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I like, to, I like to do things I haven't done before and pay attention to how I react because that's, that's how I learn, mm-hmm. right? Or I'll tell my therapist to make me talk about things. I'll tell them the things I don't want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll talk around them. <laughs> and I'll, but I'll tell them beforehand. I'm like, hey, ask me these, these questions that I don't want to be asked. Mm-hmm. And it's uncomfortable, but you learn. Good stuff, man. Yeah, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Any closing remarks? I really think that it'll be good for people to hear about the the power of vulnerability and as it relates to fitness mm. and then mental health as well because it's so important. And in counseling clients don't get anywhere if they're not vulnerable and honest and so 
And I think that could be something that could be stronger in the fitness community is that vulnerability because you do feel our athletes feel so close to the people in the class yeah. that they in the in the athletes that they share classes with. Yeah. And and you got to think too there's people in there of different spiritual beliefs, political beliefs, mm-hmm. different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um different position like professional positions and all of those barriers mm-hmm. kind of disintegrate mm-hmm. in there. And you can be aware of who people are um but you know in the midst of a workout, a coach led workout. Mm-hmm. Just like conversations a little more controlled and that I think allows for us to value each other more as people Hmm. versus as you know as a set of beliefs you don't Mm -hmm. agree with this set of beliefs so you don't like this person Mm. I think in a CrossFit gym um, the beliefs get broken down and you Mm. see the people first and then the beliefs are secondary Mm -hmm. like maybe you just don't have political conversations with Mm -hmm. so-and-so yeah, and those personal opinions kind of fall to the side yeah. because other things are more prevalent in that environment. And I really think that character shows in terms of fitness is so much more than just getting together and getting a barbell and sweating. Yeah. And I think our conversation really shows that today. It's mm. good. All right, Josh. Well, thanks so much for coming on, and I'd definitely like to have you on again. For sure. Maybe next time I'll be more put together. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Josh. Hey, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the episode. You can follow along with Counseling and Functional Fitness on Facebook and Instagram. You can contact me by emailing counselingandfunctionalfitness at gmail.com or by messaging Counseling and Functional Fitness on Facebook and Instagram. See you next time.